Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Cinema de More. I'm your host, Chuck, joined by... I'm your co-host, Justin. Flexi. And I'm back, bitches. <laughs> if, you, if you weren't aware, that's Jacob. Hey, I'm back. He's joining us to finish off our Grindhouse films, which, yeah, conveniently all went very chronologically. Yeah. Worked out nice that way. I also enjoy that we started off with the you know one of the first people considered the Godfather of Gore, and then we're finishing up with the second person given that title. And I will say, just a world of difference from like about twenty years from what was considered very extreme in the '60s to the shit that he's doing in this movie that I feel like would make Herschel Gordon Lewis upset. Right? I feel like Herschel should be called the Godfather of Blood. Lucio Fulci should be considered the Godfather of Gore because he really does gore. I mean, he's got everything. Yeah. Brains, guts, vomit, body parts, everything. Whereas H.G. Lewis is just kind of like hacked body parts and lots of blood. Lots of yeah, blood. Yeah, it's it's just more, yeah, it's more red paint all over all of mm-hmm. all of his films. But yeah. We're, Bucket we're, of blood is orange. <laughs> uh, yeah. This, this week we're talking about... Two of his classics, City of the Living Dead and The Beyond, part of a trilogy that he did. The third one I'm not as big of a fan of. It's even weirder, House by the Cemetery. He's an odd director. His films are very strange. I I do feel like he is definitely all about that gore, though, more so than any of his contemporary, the others out there like Argento or any of those other guys, Mario Bava. I wanted to talk about his more than anyone else because it feels like all the other Italian directors always very much try to be very high art. Everything in his movies is always gross and dirty and filthy and disgusting. Loves his fucking eyeballs. Loves eyeballs. Loves tearing them out, popping them, oozing them. There's a million ways he could fuck up an eyeball. He'll yeah. do it. One of my favorite we didn't cover, which is Zombie 2. Mm-hmm. I love Zombie 2. Which is sticking it right through. We did cover, I believe it was The Beyond. I, I, I sometimes get them confused because it's very similar, but I believe it was The Beyond. He does cover the eyeball getting gouged out, which was great yeah. it's not a stick going yes. through the eye like in zombie but he does gouge it out and it's wonderful yeah but zombie has him punch the shark in the face which is like the best uh, yeah ever. and that guy actually did that underwater like punched an actual like fake shark but underwater yeah because it's guerrilla filmmaking and they were like oh there's a real shark you gotta fucking do this or you're gonna be eaten on camera he couldn't punch a shark above ground mm. <laughs> right it's like a beach shark and you're like oh, i punched it in the face i punched that shark and taught him a lesson you're like he was dead already you're like so i did it you mentioned that he has a lot of eyes and his movies getting gouged out but i think when you get into italian horror that eyes are commonly a theme that are like attacked and it's because it's all about the voyeurism of it's all about watching people yeah, yeah. Well, the, the, they love close-ups of eyeballs too like just yeah. zooming in on someone's eyeballs show the fear look into their eyes and see the fear that goes all the way back to Sergio Leone that's his trademark the super tight close-ups during duels and showdowns of just cutting right to their eyes so it is a very Italian thing to show the eyes a lot Argento has a ton of eyes in his stuff too and oh yeah if you look at Argento's posters Ar- Argento's posters are all women's eyes. All right, then. (laughs) Just play in the mood, that's all. Just set in the mood, guys. Wrong theme. Not really. Chuck just mentioned him less than a minute ago. That's Sergio Leone. It's in in the Italian. You hear that, and immediately you think Clint Eastwood's eyes. That's exactly what you... Yeah. I guess that's fair. But yeah, eyes are a big part of Italian horror. Italian. 
I Italian, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Italian. What do you, what'd she say? What's wrong with that? It's Italian. It's all about the eyes, so it's Italian. Italian, yeah, right up in there. Everyone, when they think of Italian horror, it does automatically go to Giallo, because that's their big thing that they're known for, but... Not me. I know. You... Not, not me, either. Chuck, you are correct. I just want to stand out on this one. It's what everyone thinks of. Mm-hmm. Everyone thinks Argento, Giallo, yeah, I know. But I think Bava creature features Fulci's my favorite yeah argento is the one i feel like that's most associated or didn't branch out past that much beyond those type of films whereas bava does like monster movies gets into more vampire type stuff sci-fi yep. stuff and well, they each had their own dom- domination within the subgenres of horror too so yeah. like you're right Fulci was the zombie guy argento was the fucking giallo guy which is why i respect argento but i'm not his biggest fan and then you got bava who just does a lot of fun stuff demons devil fish you know out there don't torture a duckling was pretty good though oh, that was a pretty good giallo yeah that one's a good one yeah don't torture a duckling is a great movie that one in the one where he always kills off his nephew that would be a great title for a movie he always kills off his nephew yeah argento he he chops off his the same blonde kid you see in all his movies getting his head cut off every time it's his little nephew he loves doing that shit puts him on a tricycle sends him out gets his head cut off every time <laughs> kind of respect that that's family right there. I went through a phase about five years ago where I was running out of shit to watch, essentially. When I was trying to figure out new kind of things to get into, I always veered away from Italian horror growing up. It was just not my thing. I never got into it. And I said, maybe it's time for you to watch some Italian horror and kind of give it a shot. And I never got into Argento. He wasn't my thing. But I knew that Fulci and Brava were two people that interested me. And so I got into Fulci one day and I just sat down and powered through like piles of like Fulci's films. I watched all the zombies and I didn't see the beyond, but I actually saw the city of the city dead. of the living dead. Yeah. I absolutely love Fulci. He's one of my more favorite Italian directors. He goes back to exactly the same kind of shit that I like Herschel Gordon Lewis for. His stories are just really interesting and unique. And like, even though his effects, which his effects are better and his gore is good, but also like cheesy. and Something else to respect about Fulci with his zombies, by the way, Lexi, is that when they come back from the dead, they're rotting corpses. He doesn't do fresh zombies. They're all rotting corpses. Like they truly crawled out of the grave. His films could do with updates. He has some really great ideas and great concepts. I think when you look at the both of these, like the Beyond, I could definitely see like a nice longer length update of this one for sure. I think that he could one could capture Louisiana better. That's for damn sure. <laughs> I think they captured it perfectly fine. It's a gate to hell. It No, none of it. That's not even a goddamn plantation she inherits. That's just a fucking New England house. It's not even a fucking Southern made house. Yeah, but if there's a gate in hell, it's going to be in Louisiana. <laughs> That's also true. That is true. He is right. It is not a proper Southern Louisiana house. He's no. totally correct in that. Even the dubbed voices, they didn't even do the accents for the dubbed voices. They didn't even try to throw in a little Creole. They did none of that shit. The dub voices are pretty rough. The dubs are always bad in these Italian horrors. And that's one thing I was wondering, like, is there any way to get your hands on these without these dubs? Or is, the, is this how they always are? My City of the Living Dead was in Italian. I had that Ooh. option, but to be on, they did not. Yeah. I'm willing to watch them in their original language. Like from what I've studied about these movies, this is an intentional thing from what I understand with these these Italian horror films. Like they do this on purpose, these bad dubs. Like this is kind of like how they are. Am I correct in this? Yes, it was cost efficient. Yeah, they don't want to spend a lot of money. Leone has also done amazing dubs. But they would hire American actors and they would film their parts in English. That's why, what's his name? I forget, I'm sorry. But the dad from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. John John Saxon. Saxon. He's in a ton of Argento films. All of his roles, he speaks English. They're not dubbed. Yeah. 
But they dub them over in Italian, I believe, for the Italian cinema. Yeah. So at least City of the Living Dead, I know that they shot in New York, except every interior was Italy. That's another thing with these Italian horror movies. They all take place in, like, America. I thought you were going to be like, that's another yeah, thing. Why do. are they always speaking Italian? <laughs> they, they film in Little Italy in New York. <laughs> well, no, it's just so funny to me because they're like these Italian movies, but they, all the stories are all set in America and they all like do these like shots where they shoot in America, but then like the films aren't always like shot there. It's like so funny. They even know that that's where their audience is, that, that they're like, oh, America's the big market and Americans aren't going to want to watch a movie that's set in, in Rome or something like that. They're going to be like, no, I want to see, yeah, I want to see New York City. I want to see him walking down the street there. Yet I love Suspiria and it's set in Italy. I'll watch it again and again. I know there's, uh, yeah. I was trying to explain this to Rachel when I was watching a movie because like, she's like, this is Italian. And she's like, I'm like, yeah. She's like, why Why is the dub so bad? So bad? And I was like, I explained that thing about the voice stuff. And she's like, well, they wouldn't watch this in America. So why are you guys covering this? And I'm like, oh no, they absolutely watch these in America. She's like, this was not. This is not something they would play in a grindhouse though because it's Italian. It's and 100% I'm like, grindhouse. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, Italian horror would absolutely get played in American. Like I was trying to explain this to her and she's like, what? That doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, no, no, like they basically like made these movies in Italy for us, basically. Like they weren't really like. They actually made them for the grindhouse circuit. Yeah, like that was yeah. like the first one's 1980. 1983 is like the first time it was played in America. It's it's not mentioned, but I did I did do a little research. Fulci did The City of the Living Dead 1980, and then he did um, the the Beyond, and in between that, he also filmed the New York Ripper, also set in New York. Yeah, he was that was his New York phase. He loved it. He's like, if I'm here, I might as well just film yeah, every yeah, yeah. While, scene while I've here, ever might had. As well, yeah, might as well get all these uh, all these exterior shots. Be I sure need. to throw New York in the title so they know it's in New York. Also, uh, yeah. did you see that he's like randomly made a version of like White Fang? It, yeah. I, you told me about that. <laughs> uh, I, I'll also say this. I, uh, I highly respect and enjoy watching Lucio Fulci films because he was my first introduction to Italian cinema uh, when it Zombie Zombie 2 you know, I zombie, AKA the original sequel to night living dead unofficially <laughs> all those million titles it goes by. That was my first introduction to Italian cinema watching the, you know, eyeball on the uh, stick to the eyeball, the fucking shark punching, all that shit. But because of him, I got into Italian horror and it was also Lucio Fulci that led me to Sergio Leone because they produced a lot together. Lucio Fulci is one of the main producers behind the original Django, which is one of my all time favorite spaghetti Westerns. So if it wasn't for Lucio Fulci, I would have never discovered the amazingness of Italian spaghetti Westerns. And then that led me into the good and the bad, the ugly, and all the Clint Eastwood films that were filmed for American audiences with American English-speaking actors. How does an American not start with Leone? I just, I, I just didn't. It was, it was Lucio Fulci that got me there. But I wasn't big into Westerns because what I grew up on was all the John Wayne shit. But it was thanks to Lucio Fulci and my love of horror that led me into Spaghetti Westerns because I saw Django and I was like, what is this, like a horror Western? No, it's a badass Western. And then I realized, like, there's something here. There's a style. There's they love doing certain things. They, they even in their westerns, they have cringy moments. They have gut wrenching scenes. Like he fucks up Django's hand, and it's brutal. And you're like, that's some shit you would see in a horror movie. But no, it's a western. It was great. That's body horror. Have you ever seen his uh, his spaghetti westerns that he's done? Fulci's. I've seen a few of them. Yeah, he's done a couple of the unofficial Django's. Like they have different names. The the one that I like the most of his is uh, For the Apocalypse, which gets more. Yeah. 
Great much movie. more of like horror version of westerns. There's like cannibalism and black magic going on in that. And film. they, they like, love touching on that, which is great. Yeah. And that shit happened in the western times, like in the uh, in the west at that time, because the supernatural and all that sh- seance shit. I forget what it's called, but like during the rise of Abraham Lincoln, the Civil War, all that that shit was popular. Like the supernatural was a popular thing. But our American cinema, Steve we don't Spiders. talk about that when we show the western. We we show that you know that dream idolized version where it's like cowboys and Indians and we're the good guys. But the Italians, man, they show that shit down and dirty like it was. They throw in the supernatural. They show you that cowboys are assholes and natives are victims. It's fucking awesome. Will Smith. Go ahead and tell us about Will Smith. You said it like three times. Wild Wild West. (laughs) Yeah. Wiki, 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 wild, wild west. Where are we going? We going straight to the wild, wild west? (laughs) But I I, I do apologize. I feel like I, I took it off course into Westerns. But there's a huge influence with Italian cinema with American cinema, specifically for my humble opinion with our Westerns. And I do believe they heavily started influencing a lot of the direction that American horror started going in the eighties as well. I don't watch Westerns. Bullshit. That's okay. They're not for everyone. Unless they have Will Smith. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of secret Westerns. I call them the Neo Westerns. Neo Westerns. Yeah. Like near dark, near dark's a Western. Totally a Western. A hundred percent counts. Yep. So is uh, Bruce Willis, The Last Man Standing, which is actually a remake of a Western. And they shot And that. it's Where, a remake Chuck? of The Last Samurai. That movie's been done so many times. Manesson? Oh, yeah. God. Mm. Well, they needed it to look extra rundown and right. you know, destroyed. Huh. How post-apocalyptic do you? Yeah. And, yeah. Do you want to go full Manesson? So can we, can we talk about... Can we talk about something real quick too? Going back to these amazing, you know, Italian horror zombie <laughs> films we just watched. Can we can we talk about how this is considered to be a part of a trilogy, which we've established that we watched two out of the three, uh, being City of the Living Dead and then The Beyond, and then House by the Cemetery. And apparently, the only thing they really have in common is the same reoccurring cast playing different characters, and the fact that each movie just has the one undertone statement or plot of being that. Something terrible is happening, opening up a gate to hell. Hold on. Was I supposed to watch City before the Beyond? I mean, you can watch it any order you want. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could watch them. They don't really connect that much. Your Grindhouse Theater probably just keeps playing them back to back, back to back. So whatever order. Yeah, I, I confuse them. They're, they're the same movie to me. The only difference being that they're in City of the Living Dead, you squeeze out people's brains. And in the beyond, you just melt people as much as possible. Because I, I realized I had seen City of the Living Dead. And because I had seen that one, I was like, well, I never saw the beyond. So I want to watch the one I haven't seen first because I wanted to enjoy it more. That's so OK. I did that, too. I watched, I watched the, beyond the beyond first. Beyond first instead of. But as I was watching the beyond and they were talking in it, I was like, this sounds like they're talking about the movie that I'm going to be watching next. (laughs) And I was like, but maybe I'm just crazy. But then I was like, I don't fucking know, because as far as I'm concerned, all of Fulci's movies kind of try to stick themselves together anyway, because all they all seem to all reference each other in some way or fucking. Well, and they they lose themselves in the in the and their stories they are so weird. Like the stories get, cause like they really do feel like the same. The only difference being between these two films is that the sequel, the beyond is in Louisiana and it takes place in a haunted house or whatever you want to call it. And they open up the gates of hell and all these zombies come out. Whereas in city, it's just a bunch of zombies coming back from the dead because a priest killed himself. 
And I think in Beyond, it was a seance gone wrong. Or do I have that confused? Because those movies blend so perfectly. The only reason why I know that The House by the Cemetery is its own movie is because it only has one fucking zombie. Whereas these two have the same, and they feel the same. They have almost the same gore. He does up the gore in Beyond. It gets more creative. Because all of his movies are about Gates of Hell. They all are, yeah. It's all Gates of Hell. Yeah, everything Fulci does is somehow or another. Really, he loves the gates of hell. He's just about gates of hell. What what was it? The city, city of the living dead. I I love that ending too because it's so fucking funny. Like they survive, and they're like, "All right, we've closed the gate of hell. We survived." And like her son's running up to her at the end, and she just starts screaming, and it just ends with the boy running. It's like I don't understand why this is supposed to be probably because she doesn't want to be a mother anymore. Yeah, that's kid. what it is. That kid was not a zombie. She was just like, oh, fuck. He was like, I'm nah, a mother. Nah. And it was like, she's screaming in fear, and he's got a big smile on his face running to her. I also was confused by that. The cinematography for both of these movies, they're absolutely beautiful. It really makes I me think of a low tech, fog staged kind of ordeal that I thought looked great. He knows how to use his fucking fog. Absolutely. One of my favorite scenes, too, in a while, is the one in City of the Living Dead with the journalist out at the uh, cemetery. I had no idea what to expect because at first I thought that this was going to be the first zombie. He was going to break her out and then she was going to attack him. But then it was feeling very much like, I don't want to spoil it, but the end of the movie Prisoners, <laughs> I was like, is he just, he's just going to walk away. He's going to be like, nah, there isn't anything there. Yeah. I mean, no offense. If I watched a woman puke her guts up literally in front of me, I would fucking leave. I just walk away. I just like the pickaxe. It reminds me of like a fucking comedy though, where she almost gets the pickaxe through the head like three times and she doesn't stop him or say like, dude, you're going to kill me. <laughs> Right. One of the one of the best scenes that was a missed opportunity, and I correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was in City. It could have been the Beyond. Like I said, I get them so fucking confused. But they were in that that hallway, and they got through the door, and it was a door with a glass window, and it broke through, and the zombies were on the other side. They got her by the hair. It might be City because they love pulling fucking brains out. They don't eat brains; they pull brains out. So is the Beyond. So they're going to pull her fucking brains out. So they got her by the hair, and they're pulling her through that that doorway through the broken window. This sharp jacket piece of glass hanging there. The guy is a shitty shot. Takes forever to shoot the zombie. Finally gets him in the head. He releases her. When he releases her, the glass piece on the window in the door frame falls. And I was like, oh sweet, it's gonna cut her head off doesn't do anything so this whole time they had me thinking that they were gonna they were trying to drag her through so they could cut her fucking head off with the glass piece but it was just a weird shot of some sort like i don't think it had anything to do with anything it was just a weird misdirection but i i don't know why i just enjoy watching how terrible of a missed opportunity that was when you talk about the cinematography justin Mm -hmm. in the beyond the ending sequence when they are walking into the painting of the gates of hell yeah that that shot is gorgeous that full shot of them and it's got the bodies like it's they really did a good job of capturing like making the painting in real real life like making it look exactly like the painting and then when they just hold each other's hands and they just walk off into the the mist you mean into the beyond well yeah but like (laughs) that's what they did uh, they walked into which which i gotta say as well the beyond's ending that's a lexi ending right there and like that's that's my kind of ending Mm -hmm. like ah it does have a nice, happy. like, I guess we're fucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's what it's supposed to hint at in City is that it was like, it's off camera. Like, yeah, they survived, but like the shit's still going down. They didn't really stop it. So I think that's why she was screaming when her son was running up because they yeah. were about to be in on that's it. That's how too. I take the the implication is that there is it something, something that you just can't see is happening 
like off screen or something in the background. Or it's like she just mentally fucked up from all of it now. Or just doesn't want to be a mom anymore. One of those. Yeah. Motherhood's tough, so I can understand that she's scared of that little brat. Justin, you need to watch uh, House by the Cemetery because it has it has kids in it, and they're even they're even worse. Though, and I feel like also it's partially just because of the the bad overdubbing, but it's it, uh, they overdub the kid, and it's very obvious that it's like just a a woman with a higher voice like doing the kid, and it's like I think the kid looks like he's probably supposed to be like eight or nine, but it's like they're like Bob, what's going on? And he's like, Mommy, Mommy, I got a race car, Mommy. And it's just like, I was like, oh my God, what? Why did they give him that voice? Sometimes the dubbing in these things make it scarier. Yeah, the kid is terrifying because yeah. of like, the voice they give him. It's so it's so unnatural because you know it's not coming from that kid every like time he's talking. It, we could dub the kid or it could just be a naturally British kid. Uh, yeah. There was some rough dubs in the Beyond. For sure. That guy that falls off the scaffolding at the very beginning, he's like, "Yeah, oh sweet baby Jesus, don't take me." And I'm just like, "What? what? What's he was doing funny that too?" When they're like, "How did he fall off the scaffolding?" It was like six by six. Yeah, yeah. I will give I will give the Beyond credit for this though. They know how to make a blind person scary as fuck. Yeah, those are some good contacts. Those Scalia contacts, I can tell those fuckers were glass. Man, they looked so uncomfortable. I was like, I've never seen a contact look more painful in my entire life. Well, in the 80s, that's all they had, glass contacts. I know, but like those glass Scalia contacts, like they looked painful, but the ones in this movie in particular, like the way they sat on the eye, I'm like, I've never seen a contact look more painful in my entire life. Like those look like some of the most uncomfortable contacts. The bleeding eyes I thought was kind of cool, and there's one close-up where you can like... You can clearly see the veins that they like. They tried to cover it up and they tried to cover it up with the hair. But the first shot was pretty cool. I couldn't I didn't see them where it was just like all this blood coming out of the eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Say what you will. These these are not boring films as far as like the gore goes. Like you were, you were just focused get your, on the you blood get coming your out the eyes. Not the not her entire internal organs just blowing out of her mouth. <laughs> yeah. You missed that part. Yeah. You're like, man, those, great eyeballs, those man. eyes look good, though. Yeah, even when he has someone puking their guts up, the eyeballs still look great. That sequence starts out so good, though, because it's like the bleeding, like you said, the bleeding of the eyes. And yeah. The it starts coming out the mouth. It looks excellent when it starts. You're like, damn, that looks really, really good. And then when the organs start coming out the mouth, and you're like, and it just fell apart. Yeah, like, like the mouth yeah. doesn't it looks look like very good cheesy. at all. But... Like, it just looks But that really scene bad. is awesome, though, because what I like is that Lucio Fulci is like, how can I make zombies different from the other zombies of the time? Well, he doesn't have them eat their flesh or eat their brains, and he has them look like literal rotting corpses. So I love how he just literally likes to have them reach out, grab people by the back of their fucking head, and he just crushes in on their skull and rips their brains out every time. That's one of my favorite things that he does in, the, in those movies is that he crushes and squeezes their brains out of their head. Or, or he literally pushes pops their eyes like into zip. their heads and like pops their eyes my, out. Yeah, pushes them in and pops yeah, them out yeah. sideways. Yeah. Pop those, Did you this... see the autopsy of Jane Doe where that's... Good movie. You, Emil Hirsch, yeah, and he's, they're like doing the autopsy and there's a bunch of weird shit. When... That person just lost all her organs, like spit out all her organs. And he's like, I don't know. She probably died from a heart attack. I literally <laughs> want to see the autopsy where they're like, this person has no organs. It's just at empty. All. Like, yeah, they just cut it open. It's just weird. nothing in there. They're just like, I don't know, man. I also like the shot. And I think it's the beyond because I'm confusing the two of them now with the little kid. And he sees the woman. Movie. She's all like you know, decaying and everything. And the guy comes out and he starts talking to the kid like, go, go back in the house. Get away. Yeah, you're thinking of City of the Living Dead. That city, yeah. The kid runs yeah. away from one zombie and runs into the, the woman's zombie. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. they're talking like that lady's not even there. And I'm like, is it in the kid's head? And then the dude looks up and then she's still there. And I'm like, we don't have time for you, zombie. I have to have a conversation with this kid. I'll be with you in a minute. The zombies are painstakingly slow, by the way. They're so fucking slow. They are slow. A good way to remember is City has a child and Beyond has no child. It has a plumber. Joe Beyond's plumber. got the dog. <laughs> it has melting people, too. I know that. And spiders. Spiders. Really fun puppet spiders. <laughs> In the beyond. You know what? I have to say, just so people know, the recording is the day after Easter. So I watched these two movies on Easter, and they actually really tied into Easter pretty damn well. With yeah, uh, resurrection, the whole, it's, a, it's a theme. The whole resurrection, and then the Joe the Plumber's license plate was like in the gates of hell. No, it said something about like in Christ, Jesus Christ, I, tr- I trust <laughs> or something. Yeah, he did unleash the gates of hell. That's pretty much the the story of the Bible. There was a crucifixion. There yeah. was. Yeah. The guy got the stakes and everything. Well, there was also arm. the whipping of chains in the beginning of the Beyond. The the whole weird, the whole se- sepia colored, black and white sepia theme colored intro with like gotta gotta show that this was a a house of torture. Plus side was I was happy to see that they were beating up white people and not slaves. So that was nice. City of the Living Dead too. When they kill the preacher or the reverend or whatever the fuck he is. It is with the cross. Too. City City wasn't. Yeah. They didn't kill him. He hung himself. It was a suicide. That no, no, the, the zombie version of him. Oh, that part. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When he's when he just appears and he's just like he looks like he's giving sexy face. He's like, <laughs> I just want to point out. I like that you know a poor a poor parish priest who was you know suicidal and depressed killing himself is what opens the gates of hell because he was a man of God. He killed himself. So that right there makes him evil and he opens the gates of hell. Lovecraftian people, how close is it to the Dunwich horror thing? I don't think it's close at all. I don't think it is. No, because they're not ancient. They're not ancient beings. They're not ancient gods. They're yeah. They're mm. supposedly the the Christian demon, not demons. The the Christian gates of hell, like it's the undead. They're just there. It's like the first wave. The demons don't even come out yet. Yeah, this is the first wave. Maybe he just was a less imaginative Lovecraft. Well, you know, according to the Christian lore, the dead rise first before the wave of demons and all that shit. So this is just stage one. That's why it is fascinating how City of the Living Dead ends. It's it's still in stage one. Everything's fucked. The beyond is supposed to be like ending with the beginning of stage two because when they walk off into that area, you know, they walk off into the beyond. You're supposed to be like, okay, they're in hell now. And like these guys are coming out. And then there's that shitty movie that's just called The Gates of Hell. And it has that poster, and it says, "When there's no more room in hell." <laughs> you mean you mean Dawn of the Dead? Yeah, you sound like you're definitely <laughs> quoting Dawn of the Dead. They also have that one. But like, yeah, like, no, but and I love that the, the Gates of Hell is not so a part of the Gates of Hell trilogy. The Gates that of is Hell is funny. not part of that. It's its own thing. Yeah, I think it's, it's American, the, if I'm not mistaken. I thought it was. I thought it was a uh, Fulci actually. Am there's I wrong? A Japanese the Gates, Gates of Hell is not too. an Italian horror there's movie. Also a Japanese Gates of Hell, and then there's just the Gate, which is excellent. How about the ninth yeah. and Hellgate with Linda Blair and Stargate and Stargate? Yeah. <laughs> I want to say with Stargate James Spader, good, right? But I saw that shit in the theater, like when I was a kid, and that was the last time I saw it. And I cannot possibly tell you if it was a good movie or not anymore. All I know is it's Roland Emmerich, and it's probably not. Nope, there's no such thing as a good Roland Emmerich movie, except maybe Independence Day. That's Independence Day. Say, Day Independence is probably his Day, best bro. film. Yeah, and really, like Independence Day Real isn't really like a good movie. It's just kind of a. Fun it's a great movie. movie. It's like fun. It's not really good. I will say this. As far as the Grindhouse theme of this month goes, this is these two movies are the definition of what you should expect when you go to a Grindhouse, especially when it comes to the horror side of Grindhouse. Jacob. Like this is what you expect. 
What's up? As our guest, who out of the six movies, what was your favorite? Whew. That's a good question. Uh, you know, honestly, it's still female prisoner uh, 701 Scorpion. 100% every time. Out of all six, that's the best movie. It's my favorite. Because as you know, I've developed taste now. So I like <laughs> Art House, a.k.a. Alt House. So I think I think though, like when you say with the word art house and Chuck, I don't know, I don't necessarily agree with you on Fulci. I think that, like Justin said, I think he has some beautiful shots. I think there's a lot of things to be said about these Italian films. That again, I love the use of color in all of these movies. Like they know how to do a wide shot. Well, they know how to use like reds, blues, greens. Like they really know how to pop colors. Like color is really effective. And all they of these also know how to use folks. fog. As much as I'm not a Dario Argento fan, the one thing I can say about Dario Argento is that that man knows how to use color more than any director I know. Like yeah. his use of color is gorgeous. Like uh, Suspiria, the use of color in that movie is stunning. Like not just the use of color, but the fact that he uses dark colors like red and blue. Like it's not light; it's yeah. very dark red, dark blue. But everything is vividly lit, detailed. You can see that. You see that in Fulci films. I think Fulci uses a yeah. lot more yellow in his movies. And the fog, all of them use fog and they make heavy, thick fog, but you can still see yeah. all the details. You can still see the feet sticking in the mud, walking past his tombstones. You can still see the writing on the tombstones. You can see everything, even though it's heavy covered in fog. There's a lot of green. There's a lot of red. There's a lot of yellow. Those are common colors that you'll see in Fulci films. And I, I mean, he's really good at utilizing color. Like I, that's one thing about these grindhouse movies, like they use color really well and I think that's the thing with modern film is modern films use of color is so poor. So when you watch a lot of these old films, they're a lot more fun to watch just because of their use of color. But I have a I th- go ahead. I, I was going to say, just because you're talking about color, I had a friend that was like said, I am so excited about the blockbuster Barbie movie that's coming out this summer because it's not just fucking gray like every other blockbuster. <laughs> well, have or you seen purple. the trailer for uh, Blue Beetle that's coming out? Yeah, I have not seen the trailer, but I saw a poster. It looks cool. I'm extremely excited about it just because it's it's use of color. Like, and actually, if you're I don't know anything about also Blue it's Beetle, use of George Lopez. That <laughs> I, I gotta say nice. that movie looks excellent, and I'm not gonna go into that right now. I mean, but that movie looks top tier. They've done an excellent job of it, excellent casting, and it's dead on. I haven't seen anything that bright and colorful in a long time in Hollywood, and it's nice when you watch a lot of these older films and you get to see things bright and colorful and stuff like that. So I think sometimes when you watch these like italian films like when you say like when you look at herschel's films herschel's trying to knock something out so i don't always feel like his cinematography is something that you sit down and you analyze and you talk about like he's just trying to knock a film out that's why i'm like when you look at his films you're like we could do this better we could do that better we could do this but i think a lot of times when you look at these italian films there's a lot of like stuff in them that i wouldn't want to see changed when it comes to the way they're shot or filmed like we could update some effects we could update some audio for sure audio tweak a, a little continuity with, with the story linear storyline you have seen the movie grindhouse right yeah and uh, that fake trailer don't that edgar wright does yes that it does kind of have that aesthetic i think if you if you were to make another one of these movies you just steal the aesthetic you just keep the cinematography uh jumping real quick on what lexi was saying too about the lighting something else i do like that italian cinema makes especially fulci is he not just uses a lot of colorful lighting but the lighting sets the mood 
and the music perfectly together. Like the music works with the lighting. It, it changes the atmosphere. So like you see the expression of shock and fear and these tense moments happening, the lighting changes, the tone of the music changes, and then you see the expression on the actors. So like it all works really well. And it does have moments where it feels kind of cheesy and over the top, but it works for some reason. It just works and it makes it really entertaining. And it kind of puts me on edge. It makes me nervous. And because he uses the lights the way he does, it can give you a bit of a nauseous feeling, which I like that. But I think somebody like a John Carpenter or like a Wes Craven, they understood these uses of color too. And they were also influenced by these movies. Wait, are you saying Wes Anderson, or sorry, Wes Craven (laughs) understands? He understands what he's doing? No, I'm saying they understand the use of color in film. Gotcha. (laughs) It sounds like like a compliment to, to Wes Craven. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. But I'm just I'm just saying that, that these people do understand the use of color in their <clears throat> their films. So it, it's one of those things where it's when you look at modern filmmaking, um, why do you think that why do you think there's like such a poor use of like interesting cinematography and, and, and color and because color is not used to tell the story anymore. They don't use color in a shocking moment when someone's being butchered on screen. They don't strobe a red color or flash into a red lighting out of nowhere. They just keep everything lit the way it is and just film it. Like lighting is no longer there to really set the emotion or the mood. It just kind of sets a tone for the entirety of the film, not for the sequence of the scene. And think I think how much in the older films, it's it. yeah, but it's it's it just keeps it simple. That's why they all just carry simple fucking gels. They use they're like we're gonna all, like at least in TV. I know from my experience in TV, you have your your electricians and everyone, your gaffers standing by. They all have their set of gels everywhere. But the 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 episode, the show, whatever it is that you're working on, if it's if it's TV at least, it's gonna be one tone color. It's the same color for everything. It's just there to be like, all right, this is how the show looks. It has nothing to do with the emotions of the scene or with the scene itself. It's just the entirety of the show is lit this way. So there's continuity with it. I don't need to make it, you know, flashy or anything like that. They don't tell a story with it. These Giallo guys are balling on a budget. Like they're, they're working off. So they're working with what they got to do to make it really pop. Yeah. Yeah. But that's how they make it pop because they're working on a budget. They got to make it pop. So you got to go balls out on everything. And that's what they do. And I, I think you would have a good – if movies themselves would do that more because look at the Marvel films. They they don't use lighting that way. They have decent lighting, but that lighting is the same for everything. They got like it doesn't really change. The lighting equipment in their fucking movies. But they're not, they're not using the lighting to, to showcase the actual scene. They're just using that lighting for the entirety of the film. So when you watch the film, you're like, all right, this is a blue movie. This is a red movie. This scene Like the lighting of the movie only. follows the colors of the hero, not the actual – tone of the emotions of the scene and in cinema and sorry in italian cinema in these older 80s films especially in grindhouse that color was used to tell the emotion of the scene to make you pull more into it to upset your stomach to make you feel nauseous to make you feel cringy that's what you do you you put them on edge and also you can't be strobing people every time now because you know you can cause seizures and shit especially with all this 3d shit going on it's pokemon's fault what Pokemon? It's their fault, Pokemon. Yep. It's because of the Japanese. 
that's another thing. You say what you say, say what you will. But even the Japanese <laughs> to this day, in all their shit and their horror movies, they still use lighting to tell to tell the emotion of the scene, especially in their horror films. Granted, they tend to use a lot more like white strobes and stuff, but they still use that lighting to put you on edge when they do those close ups and they shine. Just like when we watch Seven Hundred One Prisoner, those the way that they lit those scenes we talked about in the last episode, that whole sequence with that chick coming at her with the knife and the blood on her face, looking like she was a kabuki mask on, like trying to be like an opera stage. Like they still try to be creative. And I've seen that style still used to this day in modern Japanese horror. So like other cinemas out there, other countries that make these films still know what they're doing. Just like with Indonesian action films, those fuckers know what they're doing. I think we have John a, a Wick kind of does that. I'm actually happy to say John Wick does that. They'll change the lighting for the action sequence of the scene. It's not the same tone. Like they use the same set of colors throughout the film. But when there's a certain fight going down, the lighting will change to that fight. So it's like, oh, it's about to go down. It pulls you in. And I think it's something that's overlooked. We're going to have to do a theme of, of color, I think. Chuck That'd will be, be like, you suck, Justin. I'm like, I am colorblind. Yeah. <laughs> you should do a theme of <laughs> actual black proper use film. of lights, and you should start with fucking Rosebud. <laughs> or Citizen Kane. You should start the with The black that. and white movie? You need, to, you need to start with comparing <laughs> Citizen Kane to the original black and white invasion of the body snatchers. And you start talking about the use of proper lighting you covered in the, the, the black and white era. You covered in the uh, 60s to 80s retro era. And then you cover it from the 90s to early 2000s. And look at how the lighting and everything is used and changes throughout time. Justin lit his room like a Giallo movie today. I do it every day. It's because he I can't actually it. see the colors. He doesn't realize it's what blue he's doing. and red, <laughs> and whatever colors bounce off my screen. He lights himself in blue with a tint of green, and keeps he, a red over. He does in blue the himself quite often. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, I have guilty. I just finally got a ring light, so I'm finally lighting myself. Uh, give me, give me props for advancing here, even though we're all audio. There's no visual. Well, you were talking about lighting and stuff too. It's like sometimes artistically though they can use the lighting to emphasize an emotion or something but what i'm seeing in modern day cinema tends to be if there's like a red flashing light it's only there because there's some siren or something going off so they're just thinking about it as you know what would be happening in the world and, and not yeah, necessarily like how there's a siren it. and you see a flashing red light come through and you know oh a police car or an ambulance some kind of emergency vehicle just passed outside it's a continuity thing but it has nothing to do with the actual feeling of the scene i will say this though I don't know if you guys covered everything, everywhere, all at once. That movie is an excellent example of a modern film that actually uses lighting to capture the fucking scene. And it's wonderfully done. We haven't done that movie. Chuck, why did you pick these two? You know, it's just what first comes to mind. I don't know. When I think of Grindhouse, this is the type of the type of thing I'm thinking of. And yeah, going more in a creature type place than what everyone else was going with so I had to mix it up there but these are two of my favorites though they they stand out very strongly out of out of any of the other types of films but grindhouse in general is not a I feel like not a thing that anyone is aware of anymore it's i think the last last thing obviously was the tarantino film that got brought up but even that was just like a a fake a fake illusion of grindhouse it wasn't wasn't a real thing no one gets to experience that anymore because the that, theater yeah it doesn't exist yeah that i that idea of going there and seeing these types of films i don't think anybody gets to tell you what a grindhouse movie even is like there's kind of like a 
it it's this fits in but like to 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 force a particular like it's this it's like no like the whole point of it is that it should it shouldn't be structured i think like it should be an unstructured kind of format i think that's what the fun of it is is like you are a hundred percent correct you're absolutely correct but but who's forcing you into a grindhouse now no one no one but you know what lexi you are right though because i had the the grindhouse box set they put out a few years back i say few it's probably been 15 years ago but they had a a grindhouse volume one and two and it was just a random compilation of all these what were popular on the grindhouse circuit at the time like the ones that did the the i guess the best or like made the most proceeds and were more popular watched a lot even though they're not all that great but they were the more popular ones from that circuit it had everything from horror to terrible action a couple of kung fu movies were thrown in there and there were like two or three documentaries in there like it's all kinds of genres of film like the grindhouse was just a circuit Black Mama, White Mama, yep. 2000 Maniacs, The Beyond. It's basically, it's just shit you're not going to see at a, it's just shit you're not going to see as a summer blockbuster. It's not what Western, is the normal standard Django of Hollywood. Like, there's, there's yep. so, like, you could, they cover so many different genres, but, like, I guess it's, like, they're kind of just shit weird movies that just, like, that's kind of really what it comes down to. One thing I noticed, Chuck, was that, you and I kind of did pick a similar theming and that we both picked movies with uh, paintings that bleed. Yeah. I didn't even intentionally think of that until, until I was watching the beyond and I was like, Oh yeah, there's, there's a weird like art art thing going on there. I'm like me and Chuck. I always seem to end up like on the same page without even knowing it. It's just kind of weird. Yeah. I, I feel like there's movies that try to be that grindhouse style, but there's just not that there's not truly like, that real grindhouse thing anymore of you know these are these are movies that yeah you you would not just randomly see it like the big movie theater chains like they, no one would ever put these in an actual like large movie theater chain you would right. have to go to like a local theater to see something like this or i know that's what uh like uh, the other thing that i always think of and the other direction i thought of going would have been like in full-on like kung fu style movies which I know that's what all, like all the guys in the Wu Tang Clan talk about. Like, oh yeah, we used to you had, to you had to go down to like this one specific theater in Chinatown, and that's where you could watch the all the kung fu movies as soon as they came out because no one else would play Shaw them. Brothers, yeah, yep. and a lot of those ended up on the Grindhouse circuit as well. Yeah, and it's the best analogy too, Chuck. Is is before the age of straight to video, Grindhouse would basically be what yeah. would be considered straight to video. That's a problem, and everything with straight to video now theaters. is just. It, everything garbage yeah oh yeah i mean everything there's so, almost original. anything goes straight to yeah straight to video now so it's like every the market is so diluted for it's almost anything that's not a theatrical movies basically i mean disney plus is grindhouse releasing they're, they're like yeah just put it straight on that disney plus and make the people watch it there they can't go to a theater for it i just saw a trailer on i was watching peacock and i saw a trailer with fucking chris pine in it and it's a it's a straight to streaming for apple plus they're marketing like you know yeah. they're they're like coming soon streaming to apple plus like debut streaming like it's not even going to theaters it's not marketed i looked it up like it's a straight up like it's gonna stream on apple plus or apple tv yeah. whatever the fuck it's called okay but that new new movie about michael j fox that's streaming on apple plus looks fucking awesome I can't. I want to see that, that, and I want to see the one about Weird Al. I am here for whatever the fuck Apple the Plus. The Weird Al one's out. excellent. That was great. That was on the Weird Al one's real yeah. cool. Yeah, I did like the Tetris movie on Apple. Oh, I really want to see that. Is that out? 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I it really, really is. Man, I oh, and I, I have something to say because this is off topic and I do apologize, but you guys covered this and I think you started your, your new season out with this movie. I finally yeah. got to see The Well and I was extremely pleased and I absolutely loved it and it was amazing. But I will say this. You sounded well. just like Brendan Fraser. <laughs> yeah. The Well, what? Brendan Fraser was amazing. It was so fucking good. The you whale. guys did it. Having seen that and having heard your episode covering it, you did such a fantastic job talking about it. So I just want to say to you, bravo. But I will say this, Lexi, I'm still not a fan of Aronofsky because you have to admit that motherfucker did way too many fucking moving around the room shots. He couldn't make up his mind where he was standing. He loved his fucking, let me move around in circles. But the way he filmed Fraser, the way he showed how big and intimidating he was in certain sequences was absolutely beautiful. And Mwah to Brendan Fraser. Fucking loved it. Anyway, I'm sorry to go off track on that. I just had to say the well was great. Jacob. Whale. Whale. That's what I said. The well. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Why? Well, I said well. You've been saying the well. <laughs> it is the well. That's what it's called. The well. Oh my God. <laughs> it's the well. He, you're saying whale like Chuck says milk. <laughs> I just what? want a glass of milk. It's milk. I know what you're saying. Milk, well. The well. The well well makes me think of like a ring reboot. The well. The well. I didn't get to see the well at theaters, but it was cool. It's even funnier because I'm saying the well and Jacob's still hearing the whale. Because that's what you said, the well. It's the well. What the fuck else would you call it? It's goddamn well. The Whale. That's what I said. The whale. <laughs> Heavy on the whale. <laughs> the whale. The whale. Will Smith. Will Smith. Will Smith. Lucio Fulci. Am I muted? I'm, I said Will Smith three times. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I like coming on. <laughs> to be berated. <coughs> God. Thank you. Now all we got to do is get Chuck to watch the the whale if he hasn't. Chuck, you should watch the whale. Haven't. It's fantastic. It's really good. Uh, I I'm not an Aronofsky fan, but I have to say it was a good movie. And I will say this: Hong Chao got fucking just straight up sniped on that fucking like uh, supporting actress. She deserved that more than Jamie Lee Curtis. I watched both them films, and that everything everywhere all at once deserved all of its fucking wins except for Jamie Lee Curtis, which I love her. She deserves a Academy for a role, but not that one. That should have gone Angela to the girl. Angela Bassett was better well. than Jamie Lee Curtis. How and it was are you a Marvel movie. A fan of Darren Arnofsky. Like he's pretentious, of... and I don't care for it. And the Wrestler is a great movie, and it's the best one he's ever done, and it's probably the only good one I'll ever like. Spielberg's probably like the goat when it comes to directing, but like I respect Spielberg, but I'm not a fan of his either. Darren Arnofsky is easily the greatest filmmaker to ever live in the last 20 years. Like hands down, like he is one of the most brilliant filmmakers to ever live. Like I've never seen a more brilliant filmmaker in my entire life. I mean, you said the same thing about Yul Bull. Yul Bull <laughs> is a garbage filmmaker. <laughs> I've never said he was brilliant. <laughs> I just think he doesn't deserve the hate that he gets. I don't know. I just get happy that every year it, it cycles a little bit and I get some more directors like this year's Wes Anderson and Villeneuve and Scorsese. I will say this, I'm becoming a big fan of Villeneuve. I am starting to really like that fucking guy. What do you think killed Grindhouse? Oh, that's easy. Straight to video. Movie yeah, stores. Yeah, VHS. 
Yeah. VHS. Do you like think it, that it, there's yeah. any ability to bring it back? In niche well, areas think, like Los no. Angeles and New York, you can still go to theaters that play these type of movies. They they actually still like I think uh, recently, uh, other than the exception that they came out with Titanic, there are films out there like I, they'll play all kinds of shit from the '90s and '80s. They'll still play them at small you know theaters. Uh, that's hard to do though because like everything's owned by big theater chains now, and the big attempt to make the Grindhouse experience Grindhouse it failed. Nobody's making anything that have that feel to it. And it's hard to find Canon and Anchor Bay movies. It's just hard. But what to is find. the modern day Grindhouse film like? What is the modern day Grindhouse experience? Because like that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying. How do I go to a theater and watch the same old shit that exists? Like, I think it's staying home. Uh, I said this in the last episode. Tubi, watching go to Shutter Tubi or something. You you want to see the Grindhouse Tubi. experience? Go to fucking Tubi. We talked about this in the last episode. I, Tubi. But you're not you're not listening. I don't want the old ones. I'm saying, what is the modern day Grindhouse answer? Like, I don't want the old films. I want like what, newer what ones. The, Amazon Prime. Films? You go on Amazon if, Prime. And you look at their selection of uh, films that they have because they release a lot of uh, straight-to-video style films from a lot of independent filmmakers. I know a ton of people who have amazing films out there. They're all great quality. Some of them are terrible. Like fucking anything fucking Red Eye makes is god-awful sometimes. But every now and then, every now and then, there'll be a little bright gem within that trash heap. But that is where it's at. In my opinion, when I want to find something that, that's Grindhouse Phil, I'll go on Amazon and I'll just kind of go down a rabbit hole and look at all the movies that they give me. And some of them you have to spend money on. You you have to rent. But they're like 50 cents to a dollar rentals. That's where I found Greasy Strangler. Greasy Strangler, yep. That was on such Amazon. a good movie. That yeah. movie's fucking awesome. Yeah. There was a really good <laughs> werewolf movie that came out recently that I absolutely loved. Um, I can't remember the name of it. Werewolf right Cop? My head. No, it's called Wolf Cop. Say it fucking right. And there's one and two. I own them on Blu-ray. And they're fantastic. I think but there's no. a third one coming, isn't there? I'm so excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. And then, and then there was that one that uh, we like, Psycho Gorman. I would say Psycho Gorman, good, good piece of modern. And that and that, that got that, released uh, on Amazon to stream. You could see that. Fried Berry. Fried Berry is definitely a good uh, Shutter modern. has been doing a good job because you pay Shutter's for the Shutter app. So Shutter's yeah. been, but they'd still mix it up with a lot of their old stuff. But they have that thing where, like, uh, I don't know if any of you happen to watch these movies that we just covered on Shutter. They open up with the Grindhouse theme, which is kind of cool. Uh, and you know, of course, Joe Bob, they'll, they'll show trailers and stuff and they, they try to put the grindhouse theme on there, but it's like, it's not an actual grindhouse movie. This movie was made in 2022, but they throw it on there to make you be like, this is the style that you're looking for. But Joe Bob also is the last thing providing you the Saturday night, Friday night, double feature television experience that doesn't exist anymore either. So yes. he's the last bastion of that. And I don't want to say I caught some guy on TV the other night. I can't remember his name, but he was dressed like a juggalo. Oh, <laughs> and he, I'm it, not mad at me. And he like, or whatever his name is. The, yeah. Yeah. It is him. He like, I kind of want to check his stuff out. He has a, something on free. I think it's called me TV or free TV. Uh, I want to yeah, check he, him out too. And he, but he still plays a lot of like universal monster movies, like old school, old, old movies. We were watching something about witches or something, and it was very sexist. And he kept inserting himself into like clips of it and having like in the middle of the movie, he was doing like a Pictionary basically. That's fantastic. And stuff like, what the hell are we watching? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I think you could get this job, Justin. I'm like, I should have this job. But Lexi, yes, to answer your question, I, I think it's Amazon. With his age, like he's not going to last much longer. And I don't, I don't mean that like in a negative, but like, the guy's up there, like he's in his like late seventies. Like he's no, he's up, like mid sixties. 
Is he? I thought he was up in his like seventies. He's not that old. He? Hell no, no, no. He's, still he's old. Jonah Hill. He's mid nineties. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. He's still I mean, happy he... and healthy. He survived COVID. Okay, he's good. He's good to go. We all I mean, survived they're... COVID. Right. I'm saying he <laughs> actually had it during the time before vaccinations and survived. They're not going to live forever, though. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you can't expect that. Like, does Darcy going to take over? Can she, can she take over? Is that? I'd fucking watch it. I'd support her. I'd be there. I would for watch it. it too. I'd absolutely be there for that. She can't even make it in Halloween End, so <laughs> I don't think so. That her was kill just was a fun cameo. It was a fun terrible. cameo, and it was bullshit that it was off screen. But it was off screen intentionally because I think that was the kind of the joke is that off screen kill. That was kind of the, the gimmick that she was going for was the off screen kill. Which was your favorite of these two, Chuck? I think I'm always I'm always a little bit more of a fan of the Beyond. He is a little bit more ambitious with that one. The kills are a little bit more wild or a little bit a little bit more over the top in City of the yeah. Living Dead. But, but he does get the, the I mean the we have the spiders in the Beyond and some some really strange and again yeah like like Jacob okay. said so much melting. They the love Beyond melting. Acid, they acid love on everything. melting. The sound effects in the Beyond are absolutely bizarre. There's just a constant like <laughs> sound. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my I god! I think you were like, rewatching Feed, sucking, <laughs> right? It's like the sound they took the sound. It's like Feed listened to the sound effects in this movie, and we're like, how can we recreate this? Mm-hmm. Like the acid sound when it was like, I think as weird as it girl is, across the floor and stuff. Like it's like, oh my god! Like the sounds in this movie are so weird. Like they're just constantly like weird bubbling, squishing sounds all the time. I agree with Chuck watching these, and I don't know if it was the transfer for City of the Living Dead. City of the Living Dead looked great, but I thought Beyond was the better movie, too. And I I also agree. I think Beyond was the superior film as well. I think the story was better, and I thought it was a more intriguing film. And I think the Beyond definitely had the better ending. It wraps itself up better and has a better conclusion, too. As your guest, I can definitely acknowledge that, yes, the superior film was the Beyond, but personally... I enjoyed City of the Living Dead because I really love seeing people just get their brains squeezed out the back of their heads. And, yeah. you know, and as cheesy and silly as it is, puking up your guts was fucking cool. And also it's just uh, the beyond irks me because it's I don't have a problem with people making fun of Louisiana and, and all that. But like, do it right. Like if you're going to show a haunted like inherited a plantation, show an actual <laughs> fucked up plantation. Don't give me a New England house. Like, like you have a real make a goddamn effort. It. That's all I'm saying. Just make an effort. But yes, cinematically, Beyond was the much better film. It was easier to understand. It was more coherent. But I had a lot more fun watching City of the Dead. How come you didn't have gator zombies? Uh, yeah, you had an opportunity for a gator zombie. You didn't even fucking do that shit. What the fuck, man? <laughs> could have punched a gator. Yeah, <laughs> could have put a whale zombie in there. They could have been. They could have had beignets. Yeah, a beignet, motherfucker, beignet. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. I could have had gumbo. I did like the Fuck kid gumbo. getting drilled in the that. head, basically because he was with that guy's daughter or whatever. And I, and I just like how like um, all the stuff that they did too. It was funny because like even the stereotypes they could have played on, they didn't play on the stereotypes in the Beyond. Like there was no voodoo, there was no like witch doctor, there was none of this like stuff that you could have blatantly overdone brother sister like there was yeah there was none of that you had no incest you had no voodoo you had none of the stereotypes of louisiana of a swamp it didn't even look like a fucking swamp maybe filmed on the edge of florida maybe really look like a swamp i will say that and i do agree with you on the house like 100 percent. the basement was a swamp yeah okay yeah there was a swamp (laughs) in the basement i'll give you that okay if that basement was flooded in louisiana 
The basement would have been water right up to the door when you opened it, kind of thing. Like you know what? I want the gator in the basement. That's where I want the zombie gator. No, um, what happens is because it's built below sea level, they actually don't have fucking basements in Louisiana. That's another bullshit that thing. Yeah, because guess say. what? When you do that, the house collapses in on itself. Yeah, it would be completely underwater. That's why you build an outside storm shelter shelter above ground. Excuse me, storm cellar. <laughs> They don't even bury corpses underground in Louisiana. No, you they can't bury them underground because they float back up. Yeah, that's why That's why we graves. build them above ground, yeah. yeah. You can bury them underground in Shreveport in the area where I'm from, which is closer to the Arklatex up in the top part. Yeah, yeah. But deep down sure. south, that shit's above ground cased in concrete. And they do yeah, that yeah. because the bodies float up. Hell, yeah, even yeah. here in Shreveport, we still have a funeral. We have a giant-ass cemetery in downtown Shreveport <laughs> where a bunch of people died of fucking yellow fever in the 1800s. And so it's this massive mound that you have on the cemetery. That everyone thought it was a hill, but it's not a hill. It's a massive burial mound, which to this day, after a heavy rain, fucking teeth, jawbones, random fucking bone parts, they float up out of the ground constantly. You don't bury bodies in the South. You fucking put that shit in concrete. But Jacob, you're not thinking this through. It's not a basement. It's a gate to hell. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. You're right. My bad. My bad. They Superior just thought it was though. Superior. They film. they just thought it was a. Ba- <laughs> they just thought it was a basement. It's the gates of hell. Did you ever see my photos of uh, uh, New Orleans, the cemetery I went to after Katrina? It's all torn to pieces. I'll like, tell you right now. I did not see yeah. that. I've seen a bunch of photos. I didn't see your uh, specific in your lifetime. In my life, I've seen. I can imagine what it was. Things. Yeah, right. it's on my Instagram. If you ever want to see them, they're pretty good. Some of my better photos. Nice, Jacob. Why are you so obsessed with this garbage? Because <laughs> it's fun. I can turn my brain off and have a good time, and it's silly and it's just fun. And honestly, as someone who wants to write and create and make my own stuff, it allows me an outlet to have fun to turn my brain off and be like, well, if they can do it, so can I. Tell a story. Have a good time. Don't take yourself seriously. Just have fun with it. Maybe try, though, if you're going to write about a place that, you know, is set in a certain setting, try and capture that setting a little better. But at the same time, as a guerrilla filmmaker, I respect that you just had the balls to fucking go and do it. But do you think as a fan of this and as a filmmaker and a modern filmmaking world that there's a place for you making this and today's world do you do you think oh 100 we still have horror cons we still have people doing this shit there's all kinds of formats of horror out there uh, i i read comic books all the time that are silly and cheesy and hardly ever get acknowledged but they're fantastic it's it's all the same it's in every form you know i, I listen to not just this podcast other podcasts youtube videos i love watching people go back and you know half the time i agree with a lot of what they're saying the other time i think some people are armchair critics that don't know what the fuck they're talking about because they sit there and try to psychoanalyze a fucking bullshit movie that's like dude you're not sitting here supposed to be like what a piece of shit like no it's not supposed to be a goddamn masterpiece it's not aronofsky it's not like just have fun man like just acknowledge what was fun about it like it's fun you see any other movie like it no you don't see other movies like this you just don't can you have the success of a fulci in today's world yes i believe you can because look at eli roth (laughs) justin and uh chuck do you think that that's a possibility can you have the success of a fulci in today's world like his style of movie is that what you're asking that degree of of budget that degree of filmmaking but that degree of success because i think that degree i think that type of filmmaker doesn't exist anymore like i think that tier of filmmaker has been eradicated in today's world they don't really try as much but you do have people similar i mean the closest thing to to even getting to like that grindhouse experience would be like uh ty west like doing like x or pearl yeah ty west i'll give him props those are two 
good examples. And I mean, he makes those movies for fairly low budgets and they've been usually successful. I love that you brought him up. I actually, I enjoy Ty West. I'm not the biggest fan, but I, I will watch all of his films. They are hit and miss for me. Sometimes I like them. Sometimes I don't, but I really enjoy his movies. Like you said, they're low budget and he goes out there and he just makes it and puts it out there and they get, they get pretty decent reviews and like they do really well in the horror community. So he is definitely one of those him and Eli Roth. They still give you a little bit of the grindhouse feel like, you know, when you hear their name and you see their trailer, what you're in for. Do you think Jordan Peele deserves to be put in this category? No, because he's actually a brilliant filmmaker who makes excellent movies and he is more on the uh, suspense thriller. Yeah, he's like making Spielberg movies. He likes sci-fi and he likes uh, suspense thrillers. But his movies are cheap and they're horror. But his movies are not that well. I guess to today's standards, they are cheap. I wish I had ten million dollars. You're right; that is low budget. But I'm talking like you less than ten mil, and I feel like Ty West does less than ten mil. Although yeah. you're right, Eli Roth probably makes his films for way more than ten mil. I don't know. The Thanksgiving movie that he's doing is probably going to be like a thousand dollars for the whole movie. And I definitely think within the horror community, I think Jordan Peele should be acknowledged for the work that he's contributed and the work that he keeps contributing. Um, I absolutely think he should be acknowledged and put out there. And he's definitely one of the leading modern age filmmakers to start doing something unique and different while also touching on something familiar. But do you understand what I think I, are you understanding what I'm asking when I ask that question? We've talked about like uh, John Waters has talked about this before. John Waters doesn't exist in today's world. There's no directors like a John Waters in today's world. Those type of directors can't exist in today's climate. A director who can get their films released under a major studio, but that they are not a major studio director and that they are not necessarily like given a budget that is of a major studio director. You know what I'm saying? Those like, yes. All right. You want an honest answer? Directors like, you want an honest answer? go under that category because Fulci could have gotten some of his stuff, especially later in his career. Here, Here's an honest answer. You're right. In today's standard, it, it's not going to happen. The last Lucio Fulci type person was Guillermo del Toro. When Guillermo del Toro started out, he, he was like Lucio Fulci. Alive, he wasn't though. Italian. It was Spanish, but he was out there putting out these Spanish films. They were getting English dubbed. They were getting well-received. And then he was able to cross over and start doing more Spanish uh, English films and like English speaking movies. And he started he making started American as an movies. Effects guy first. Yes. Uh, and then on top of him, you have in the Korean cinema, my boy. Uh, oh, God damn it. I'm having a brain fart. I saw the devil, that guy. Uh, Kim, Kim Ji Woo. Kim Ji Woo. The guy who did the. Is it Kim Ji Woo? Yeah. And he started crossing over and doing stuff. But he actually, he's only done one American crossover, uh, but he continues to still make other films. And you have a lot of. Uh, you have a lot of uh, Asian directors, mostly Korean, who are doing that. So it's not so much Italian anymore, but it is sort of a dying breed, With like you were saying, for Lucio Fulci. I think Guillermo del Toro was the last of that type. Uh, but you have to keep up with the times, and in order to keep up with the times, you got to adjust. Uh, same thing for the guy who did uh, Train to Busan. Like Takashi Miike is kind of your last great one. Yes. No. In a lot of ways. Mm-mm. Who do you think, then, Justin? I would go like Jacob's saying with Korean, Korean cinema. Well, even like decision, decision to leave, I thought was great. I mean, it's not really grindhousey, but it felt different. And I think maybe it's just because everything that we're seeing now is so convoluted with the superhero movies that almost everything feels like the big tentpole superhero movies right now. So I think we're just craving us maybe personally, and I'm sure a lot of other people, we're just kind of craving those movies that are somewhat different. Just maybe that's why I loved X so much because I was like, I felt like 
this really does feel like, you know, it's actually just something feels something older, but I felt like on a psychological level and everything, it was just way more clever than people were giving it credit for. It's a romance. I think that's what's intriguing about it is that it's a romance before it's a horror. I think, you know, that's an interesting element that you don't typically see. And like you think you're getting one thing and it's not that thing. And I think it's an interesting piece. I think it's a good discussion. We should definitely talk about it one day. But I think I mean, we're getting some big good movies, too. We're getting Fast 10. We're getting Transformers 7. I mean, I I think that like when you talk about like a24 stuff though like i think there's that like when you talk about x i think it goes back to that fine line of is x a grindhouse film or is x an art house film and i think oh. it's more of an art house film than it is a grindhouse film but i think it's an uh, utilizing a grindhouse film as an homage but it's definitely definitely an art house film like it's it's a double-edged sword because in all actuality, you're not going to have Grindhouse anymore. It's just not a thing because look at Full Moon Productions. Look at the crap that they still spit. It's god-awful. Oh, it's nothing God, like the crap so they spit bad. out in the 80s and 90s that was entertaining no. and fun. Even though it was low budget, it still looked really good. You look at it now, it's fucking awful. It's unwatchable. But that's that's it's where really you're at, though. That's where you're at. You, you, you have to adjust for the time. So, yes, you're onto something there. The A24, yes, it is more art house, but – they are taking from the influence of the grindhouse cinema because they are making movies that the studios do not want to make because they not don't always, give a shit. They no. want to put something out there. And so they, they call it art house now. So I think in my optimistic way, art house is the new grindhouse, AKA alt house. Something like Minari was a 24 and I wouldn't really consider that anything in the grindhouse world. What do you think, Chuck? I think Jacob's more right on that with that A24 is somewhere where you're kind of getting those type of films, but that they're also like, I agree with Jacob, but I think Justin's also right too. They just kind of make whatever they want to make. And sometimes it falls into that that category. Sometimes it doesn't. They're just, they're, they're, you, I would describe them as grindhouse in the sense that they are just making any film that isn't going to be like a major studio film and, yeah, maybe, it's the spirit maybe, of Grindhouse. Yeah, maybe make this, what you want. Yeah, maybe maybe at this point, that's all that's all Grindhouse is is whatever the studios aren't making is is Grindhouse. Yeah. I wouldn't exactly call mid '90s and Uncut Gems, you know, Grindhouse, but technically it could be. It's in spirit. Uncut Gems is definitely a very stressful film to watch. So I guess Chuck. Overall, I think that you yeah. picked a, a good theme. It was a little rough fitting into movies, but everybody's movies were like the hour and a half mark. So yeah. it was basically like three, three hour movies. It wasn't yeah. too bad. Hey, I just want to say as your guest, A, thank you for having me on. B, I think you all picked an excellent genre within the grindhouse. The only thing I would have asked is that maybe if we had space for it to... Th- oh, <laughs> I so swear sorry. to God. So sorry. Speaking of grindhouse... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Someone's not coming back on our show again. <laughs> I just want to say, I would love to see more room for westerns, like my alarm just went off to tell you, uh, and some kung fu films, uh, just to elaborate more on that depth. And also, there's some really cool documentaries that you could have covered. This this month could be stretched out because of so many subgenres within Grindhouse. You could stretch this out for for at we're one hundred percent doing kung fu because me and Chuck are going through all the Shaw Brothers, and yeah. I'd oh, say like ninety nine percent of the movies. Bring are me amazing. on. It's half my fucking collection. If it ain't weird-ass Grindhouse sci-fi movies and Roger Corman, it's Shaw Brothers all day. I also could have picked Death Race 2000 because that is like one of my all-time favorite movies of like all time. And we Excellent covered it on movie. our podcast, which I talked about the remake of it because 
it was a film I wanted to remake, and then somebody went and did it, and we can go fuck themselves. You can remake it again. It's fine. There's no rules that, to like, it. Yeah, there's no rules. So you can remake shit three, four times. Just ask uh, Born to be right, a star. Exactly. <laughs> I just thought I just thought this was a great opportunity to talk about Herschel Gordon Lewis, and I was like, I'm just gonna take this opportunity. So, and I think that thematically, with what Chuck picked, everything worked really well too. So it all just went together really nicely. Yeah, this was being really able cool. to talk about both Godfathers of Gore without knowing that we were going to. I like that. That was, that was like, awesome. Yeah, that was an accidental but perfect mistake. Godfather so. of Gore, part one and part two. Right. <laughs> we started with the Godfather, it's the of Godfather Gore. of Blood, and the Godfather and it, of Gore. It, it got a little bit sexy in the middle, and then it ends with another Godfather <laughs> of Gore. <laughs> Sorry if my segment was too sexy. It was. It was pretty <laughs> sexy. <laughs> Well, well done, wrong. Justin. I approve of your sexiness. Well done. Thank you. I didn't know what Chuck wanted. I didn't know it was zombies. Always good, but... sexy. I'm, I'm just glad <laughs> to know that you're you're not a virgin, and I'm I'm so proud of that. Chuck, did you watch Justin's? You watched Justin's movies, right? I watched uh, Female Prisoner. I still didn't get the still didn't get Black Mama, White Mama in, but I plan on it. Did you like Female Prisoner? Yeah, it was a good time. I need to watch good. the rest of them now. I need to buy that whole set. They're excellent. I knew Chuck was going to love it because he loved the eye shit and that security guard got stabbed in the face with glass. We yeah. watched a lot of eyeball stabs this month. Well we done. Did. That happened we too. Did. Lots of eyeball stabbing. So Grindhouse, eyeball stabbing. Got to have an eyeball stabbing. It's all about that. I just know you missed out on getting to talk about it and I thought, throw your two cents in for the last minute while you're here. This I saved my done. sexiness for my own time. He'll get to bring it up when we're talking about fast, which is our next <laughs> theme. All I of am them. So excited about Fast and the Furious. I am so excited about Fast and the Furious. We better change we get, the subject before we get on. The we car get to talk, talk about Craig Lieberman. I am so excited about the Fast and the Furious. See, I can still mute, so we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. You just <laughs> muted her again. We'll talk about the Fast and the Furious soon. You're so mean. I was just fast to hit that button and pretty furious. And you were pretty furious, pretty furious. about it. That's the thing. I can't wait to talk about Super Combo. The Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. Dude, off. that movie's awesome. <laughs> we'll Y'all know when... me. I'm a wrestling nerd. Anything with The Rock, I'm here for. <laughs> Anything with Statham, I'm here for. Are you well, ready? Then... The crossover is perfect in that movie for you. Over nine films of me being overly positive about something. <laughs> I am genuinely curious. I'm actually kind of excited about this. Because I don't hate these movies. I like these movies. That's because you live life a quarter mile at a time. I fucking tell people that <laughs> all the time. Didn't they use that in Torque? Shouldn't we talk about Torque too? Because oh, can we? Yes. yes. Can we talk about Torque? Oh, and then, like... oh, okay. If we're gonna do that, we have to talk about. She's so Torque. excited right now. Look and how excited Biker she is. Boys. We're not even there yet. Because Biker Boys has Kid Rocket. Well, here's the thing. I think Torque was supposed to be part of like the Fast and Furious world, and they cut it out. Did they really? For the record, I also really like Torque. Oh, so Torque it's like a... Zack Snyder's Star Wars that's now not Star Wars? Dude, Torque has that, that two girls on, on street bikes having a fight in front of a Mountain Dew sign. It's amazing. Well, Torque, <laughs> Torque's main character also says that he lives life a quarter mile at a time. That's and because like everybody that drives cars do and bikes. I, 
I I live my life a quarter mile at a time, but I just figure that's because I live my life very risky. <laughs> He's like quiet. They're like, that's so stupid, Lexi. We hate you. We don't want to work. We're with just you letting anymore. everyone I'm, take in I, how I, stupid that was. I just have no words was. for your excitement. I'm caught off guard by this. Yeah, but we're saving it for the Fast and Furious. Oh my God! So we'll, we'll have two Fast and Furiouses every week until the new one comes out. Yes, I'm excited because Steph hasn't seen all of them. Oh my! And God. she's like, I'm not, I'm not ready for ten. I didn't see the other. I'm like, you're gonna see them all. You will. There is time. You will. Two, two a week is pretty easy to do. I think. You can talk about Ludacris. She loves Ludacris. And I saw the trailer for the new one, and Ludacris is driving a RC car with Ludacris's head on it. So That's amazing. I'm, <laughs> I'm here for this. Do you think he'll put out a new song? Yeah, he did that song about peanut butter where he, his hair grows. <laughs> what? Awesome. Is that real? It's a real yeah. commercial for Jif, maybe? I don't, I don't know oh. what it is. He eats the peanut butter so he can rap in a weird way, and it grows. I don't even know what the hell's happening. I'll find it, I and I'll send it to you. <laughs> I he hasn't put out an album in a really long time. So. Because he's got that Fast and Furious money. Dude, he does. I know. It's really sad because he's a fucking amazing rapper. He's one of my favorite rappers. He's probably, just, ti- he's probably just tired now. His flow is so good. He's so well, good. Yeah, he I think the commercial's that. about his flow. Is he too fast, too furious? He is. That's, he is. <laughs> and that's All right. we in Grindhouse. Hey, it was nice having you on, Jacob. If you hey, want to plug IP me. sessions, you have yeah, IPA seconds. sessions. Check it out. Drops uh, every second Friday. Come check out That's these amazing independent. <laughs> no, come check out these amazing independent <laughs> artists that I have on. It's a fantastic show. I I love doing it. I love meeting these people. I get to learn so much, and you know, make my podcast better. Uh, I get to make my my writing better. Even though it's musicians, it's different genres within the entertainment world. Whether I'm talking to a comic book artist, which I have some comic book artists coming on soon, which is going to be a really excellent episode. I just released an episode with a stunt performer, which was fantastic. I had our friend Hardcore who is a uh, indie deathmatch wrestler. I got to go see his show live. It was fantastic. All kinds of awesome stuff out there. Amazing, talented people. Check them out. Support them. Show some love for the indie artists. Just like Justin and Chuck and Lexi, fellow indie artists out there, putting a podcast out there for you guys so you can listen to us talk about our love of cinema and all things trashy and, you know, good taste as well. (laughs) Uh, IPA Sessions Podcast. Check it out. When am I hosting the episode about you on your ipa sessions uh i think i might do a uh a year anniversary coming up soon i started in uh aka never sounds like yeah well i'm still trying to get all three of you to come on so i can do another hey that's chuck you talk talk to chuck chuck yeah chuck i need you to come on so i can talk to all three of you get your lovely voice on to tell us what it's like working with lexi now and, and how far you've come with the show and who you are as a person, all your obstacles, your ups and downs, you know, your struggles and your triumphs, and you know, just share your experience and your journey with me and with everyone else. He's like, I hate working with Lexi. I can't. You sound like that. a Mormon or something. <laughs> yeah, you know, have fun. Yeah, but that's what I'm, that's what my show's about. It's about sharing the honesty as an independent artist. It's all about sharing that honesty and you know the hard work that a lot of people overlook. They think, oh well, I'll just go out there and do it. And it's like, yeah, go out there and do it, but accept the reality that you're going to have to deal with as well. And that's what my show is there to do is to confront the reality of the hard shit you're going to have to look into before you put yourself out there and make sure it's something that you really I want do to do. I do want to know about Chuck's reality. Let's check it out. I want to see Chuck's reality. Come on, Chuck. Let's do this. That should be this episode's title, Chuck's Reality. 
I enjoyed working with Lexi until she made me watch all those YouTuber movies. I enjoyed working with Lexi until I had to work with Lexi. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It'd be a fun episode. It'd be a really fun episode. I'm always excited about every episode until halfway through, and I'm like, <laughs> I want to die. <laughs> you also you also get to talk about the technical work that you put into this show, Chuck. All the hard stuff that you get to do for these, you know? Oh, I don't it's, do it's any good. of the hard stuff. He Don't doesn't give away the trade secrets. Yeah, you, you fucking you talk that shit up. Chuck, please do the episode and be like, I don't do any of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he he is the voice of cinema. You know what? I at least give this a to lot Chuck. to the table. I give this to Chuck. He at least watches the fucking movies he talks about, and that goes yeah. a long way with me. And if you listen to episode two of IPA Sessions, you know that ju- what Justin is talking about. At least he knows the fucking actors in the movies. I never know any of them. I'm like, that guy That's, and You that know girl. why? Because Chuck's young, and he has his memory for five more years. Then he becomes yeah. us. Uh, I can't remember anybody's names. I've like, had my memory died. for as long as I've known you, Justin, and you have never had it. You know what, though, Chuck? <laughs> A lot of times we're talking, and you whip out your phone. So the knowledge doesn't come straight from your head. But you don't know which but- is which. But he yes, I do. Such a I, way. Can, I can see you looking down at your but phone he, when you're looking. Things up. He fools me enough that I think it all comes from his head. I'm you like know, Chuck, over here. Chuck is a pretty I'm smart like, person. Chuck knows everything. I'm like, I don't fucking think. I, I think it all comes directly from him. He's got me completely fooled. I'm over here like Chuck's so, Chuck's so fucking smart. And Justin's like, he just looks at his phone. And I'm like, no, it comes from his head. Let me believe the fantasy. When we record, all you yeah. have to do is say Chuck is a producer. <laughs> that's it and on that note thank you for having me on ipa sessions podcast on all your podcast platforms and youtube and tiktok thanks for checking us out also watch cinema listen to cinema demori listening to it right now exactly keep fucking listening subscribe to us <laughs> subscribe please like and subscribe cinema demori it goes a long way thank you everybody bye bye We are Cinema Demore. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter to stay up to date with news and information on upcoming episodes. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, Pandora, Alexa, or iHeartRadio. It would be greatly appreciated if you subscribe to our podcast on your platform of choice. We also appreciate feedback, so rate us, review us, and let us know what you think. And above all else, thank you for listening. John Saxon. Will Smith came in. Will Smith. Yeah. Will, 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 Will Smith.